Hey guys, welcome back to Those Murder Girls Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Raina. And I'm Marie. Thank you to everyone who listened to our first episode last week and for coming back for more. Episode two is here. Yes, you guys, we are so excited to have you back this week. If you guys didn't get a chance to listen to Michael's episode, please be sure to go back and share the episode if you would, please. The Sandoval family truly deserves closure in this case. Speaking on behalf of Darren and Lonnie, they are so grateful for everyone that has listened and shared Michael's story and just the overall outpour of support. We're really hoping that this brings them closer to getting those answers that they have long waited for. Please hit subscribe now wherever you're listening. If you aren't following us on social media, you can do so at Those Murder Girls Podcast. There you can follow some crazy headlines that we've been posting too. In today's episode, we're going to be taking you guys all over Coachella Valley, California. We've uploaded a map of the area onto our Facebook and Instagram so you guys can follow along. Today's episode is super close to home for us. I think most people associate Coachella with the annual music festival and the day drinking with friends and weekend camping where everyone's just having the best time. But on May 10th, 2017, all of that changed because that evening, 26-year-old Audrey Moran left her sister's house in Coachella to pick up her boyfriend from an undisclosed location and she was never seen or heard from again. The events that transpired that evening are not entirely clear, but thanks to a solid investigation, we may actually be closer to getting some answers as to what happened that day. Audrey Moran was a beautiful brunette. She had brown eyes. She was from Indio, California, and her friends and family describe her as loving, super close with her family, especially to her niece. She was known to get along with pretty much everybody. Her boyfriend, Jonathan, was 28, and he was from Palm Desert. He is described as charismatic, family-oriented. He just loves seeing everybody and making those around him happy. So it isn't 100% clear if they were an official couple at the time. It's been said that Audrey didn't know Jonathan for very long, and there's a possibility of her having another boyfriend at the time in her life. But in this story, for the sake of simplicity, we're going to refer to them as a couple. On Wednesday, May 10th, Audrey had been spending time with Jonathan and some of his friends before she started her shift at a storage facility in nearby Bermuda Dunes. Jonathan told her that while she was at work, he was going to be going with some friends to Brawley to hang out and that he would be back around the time that she was done with her shift and he asked Audrey to pick him up when he returned that evening, to which she agreed. Brawley is a town, it's approximately 70 miles east of Coachella. So when Audrey was done with her shift, she stopped at her sister's house in Coachella Valley just to visit for a few. Her sister confirmed that Audrey had arrived that evening just before 8 p.m. And she left the house just after 8 p.m. And she said she was heading out to go pick up Jonathan, who was returning at that time from Brawley. And he was waiting for her to pick him up. Around 8.45 p.m., Audrey checks in with her sister, sending her a text photo of her and Jonathan at what appeared to be a bar or a restaurant. When her sister sees the photo, she assumes the two are together and everything's fine. It is later confirmed by authorities that the photo sent was actually taken prior. Around this same time, Jonathan receives a message in an Instagram group chat that he had with his close friends. 
in the thread, the friends are going back and forth, sending memes, roasting on whatever it was they were looking at. The friends in the chat were going back and forth, all laughing and having a good time. The response that they receive from Jonathan is, quote, I'm dying right now. Jonathan's response to the roast wasn't anything that his friends thought twice about, which later brought them a super uneasy and eerie feeling because that would be the last time that anybody ever heard from Jonathan. Now, they can't help but wonder, was he responding with I'm dying right now like he was laughing or was this his plea for help? There were no emojis in the message, so it's hard for them to tell, leaving Jonathan's closest friends to wonder. And Audrey's message to her sister that night would be the last time that anybody heard from her. Later that night, Jonathan's friends call him because they'd actually started to roast him in that same text thread, but they didn't get a reply from him where they normally would. This group of friends was always roasting each other all in good fun. So to be sure that Jonathan wasn't upset and whatever was said in the thread, they called him, but his phone was shut off. It went straight to voicemail. So the next day, Audrey's family and friends become alarmed because they had been trying to get in contact with her and they were all unsuccessful. All of the calls made to her went straight to voicemail and none of their text messages were being answered. Audrey was always in constant contact with her family and she had her phone with her all the time. Knowing that was completely out of character, they immediately knew something was wrong. After a full day of not hearing from Audrey, her parents are now in a full-blown panic. So they did what any other parent would do and they contacted the Indio Police Department and they reported Audrey missing in the very early morning hours of May 12th. Jonathan's family heard that Audrey had been reported missing, and since Jonathan's family couldn't make contact with him either, he was then reported as a missing person at noon the same day. Now, not long after the reports of their disappearances were filed, the investigation into their whereabouts begins. Both the families stressed the police department. Audrey and Jonathan would never just up and leave. And yet it seems as though they just vanished that evening without a trace. As the Indio Police Department began their investigation, they would notify other law enforcement agencies around the country, including the Missing Unidentified Person System, doing their best to spread the word about the couple's disappearance. As the investigation began, there was not much for the investigators to go on because there was no clues or any evidence of where the couple could have been. So law enforcement considers them voluntarily missing adults. They classify them in this category because there were no signs of foul play or any leads for them to follow. I mean, what were they supposed to think? Maybe they just took off somewhere. Being adults, they were free to do so. They were 26 and 28 years old. But no, the families knew that something wasn't right. They were so adamant that they would never just take off and leave and not respond to any phone calls or messages. So family and friends across the desert began their own investigation into the disappearance, reaching out to everyone who may have known where the couple could have possibly gone. They began putting up signs and posters, just spreading the word about their disappearance. Investigators interviewed the families trying to gain some insight as to the couple's relationship, and the family told them they were both solid, no issues, there was no red flags. By all accounts, they said the couple just had a great relationship. As the search for the missing couple intensifies, investigators get their first big break. 
And let us tell you, it's a big one. On May 12th, the same day that the couple was reported missing, police were able to track Audrey's vehicle using the built-in system called OnStar. They located Audrey's 2010 charcoal gray GMC terrain, and it was parked along the westbound I-10 freeway in the city of Beaumont. This is one of the busiest freeways in the valley. So can we just talk about this really quick? They find Audrey's SUV literally parked on the side of a freeway, as if someone just threw it in park and walked away. If you look at the photo that we uploaded to social media, you can see her car. You can see there's no marks on the car. There's nothing. The police also confirmed that there were no signs of forced entry. There was no sort of damage to the vehicle, no mechanical issues, and it had a full tank of gas. Now, what concerns the police right away was the location of where the car was found in comparison to the little evidence they had to go on. The SUV was on a route headed in the opposite direction than expected if Audrey were to have been on her way to pick up Jonathan in or even near Brawley. It was almost 45 minutes west of the direction she would have had to be traveling in, which unfortunately, once again, we don't know the exact location that she was picking Jonathan up at because she didn't relay that information to her sister. According to cell phone tower pings, Audrey's phone did not leave the eastern part of Coachella Valley that night. So when law enforcement pings Jonathan's phone, guess what? His phone never left that area either. But like Marie just said, the SUV was found about 50 minutes west of the valley in Beaumont. The location of the phones was never made known to the public. So let's go back to Audrey's car. What was her SUV doing deserted 45 minutes out there along the freeway if they supposedly never left the valley? Bloodhounds were brought in as soon as Audrey's SUV was found, and this is where the reports get kind of foggy. Some reports say that the dogs picked up scents from both Audrey and Jonathan, while other reports say that only Jonathan's scent was picked up. So we don't know which is entirely true. But the police did confirm that the dogs followed a scent trail west of the SUV down the highway for approximately 20 to 50 yards, and then it just stopped, as if they were picked up in another vehicle. Law enforcement did a thorough search of the SUV and then towed it back to the police department for further processing. Now get this. Nothing was found inside the vehicle. There were no phones not a purse, a wallet, nothing. Not one personal item was found. Forensic testing of the vehicle didn't turn up any DNA evidence as well, so there was really nothing to help locate the couple or an identity of who possibly was in that vehicle that night. So after the car was cleared by forensics, it was returned back to the Moran family. Police also attempted to obtain video footage from the cameras along the Highway I-10 where the SUV was located. But come to find out, those cameras, they don't actually record. They are used solely for showing live traffic conditions. So the police and families, they began asking the public for their assistance, desperately seeking anyone who had seen the SUV parked on the side of the freeway that day or night, anyone around the valley in hopes that someone could offer some insight. As the investigation draws on, the families of Audrey and Jonathan come together for support. They continued to distribute posters, flyers, they held vigils, and they scoured the town for any clues or answers they could find regarding their missing children. 
Now, we know according to the records that neither of their phones left the valley that night, but the dogs picked up their scent along the highway where Audrey's car was found. So now they're wondering, did did somebody turn their phones off before driving out to the I-10 freeway? What were Audrey and Jonathan doing that evening so far off track? Were they victims of foul play? We would also like to add that to this date, these so-called friends that Jonathan was with and traveling to Brawley with, they've never been identified to the public by law enforcement. They've never released anything about their identity to the public. Something that also struck the detectives as odd was two days after the couple went missing, they searched Jonathan's home in Palm Desert and they had found a pizza box there with a receipt and it was dated and stamped at 5.45 p.m. on May 10th. The day the couple went missing and that time stamp, that was within the time frame that Jonathan was supposed to be heading to Brawley, which once again raises more questions. Who ordered the pizza? It would have been physically impossible for Jonathan to order the pizza, have it delivered, eat some of it, and then head to Brawley and return back in the time frame that Audrey was to pick him up. Well, the question I have is, did he even ever make it to Brawley? I know, because just because that's where he said he was going to be earlier in the day doesn't mean that he actually made it. He was relying on others at the time for rides, so he was at the mercy of the driver, whoever that may have been. To this day, detectives have never been able to confirm whether or not Jonathan actually made it to Brawley, or at least they haven't shared that publicly. One thing that law enforcement did say was they did not believe the couple ever made it back to Jonathan's house. So, oh my God, talk about a case that leaves you with a million unanswered questions. I'm like, where was Audrey picking Jonathan up at? Who were these so-called friends that Jonathan was hanging out with that day? Because according to Audrey and Jonathan's group of close friends, they don't know who Jonathan could have been with. So did somebody else order that pizza, have it delivered to Jonathan's, eat it? It was mentioned that Jonathan did have a roommate, but he was out of town. This investigation goes on for years with no new evidence. There were rumors about a car that was set on fire outside of Thermal, California, which is a town nearby, and was there a possible connection to their disappearance? But law enforcement never confirmed those rumors. Tips came in about Audrey and Jonathan being buried somewhere out in the desert, so law enforcement had dug up with backhoes certain areas, but those all led to dead ends as well. Well, last fall, law enforcement dug up the backyard of a Coachella Valley resident in search of the missing couple. It wasn't made public what brought them to that specific location or if anything came from that search. But the investigation that took law enforcement all over the desert went cold for three long years with little for the detectives to go on that was until june 28th of this year when investigators announced they had arrested three individuals in relation to the missing couple the investigators also said that the missing couple is presumed dead investigators stated they had found two sets of remains in an area in the valley The exact location of the discovery is unknown to the public at this time. The two sets of remains are pending DNA tests at this time, but the investigators are confident that they are those of the missing couple, and it's based off evidence that led them there. All three suspects are being charged with murder and special circumstances of killing of a witness. 
Law enforcement confirmed that Audrey was the witness. The charges filed against them carry a death penalty sentence, but the prosecutors have not decided if they will seek that penalty at this time. The two of the three defendants, they were already incarcerated at the time that these charges were filed against them. The third defendant, he was arrested in Stockton, California, and he has been charged with an accessory to murder after the fact, into which he has pled not guilty. They also did not say the connection between those that were arrested and the couple. If they were friends, if they were acquaintances, they didn't disclose any details of that, and they also are not disclosing how the couple was killed to the public. More good news came to the Reynoso and Moran families just last week when police announced they had arrested three more people in the involvement of the murders. According to county records, they were each charged with one count of murder and two counts of being accessory to murder after the fact. They are also facing the special circumstances allegations of killing a witness, which carries the death penalty if convicted. All three have also entered a plea of not guilty and are due back in court on August 4th. Law enforcement wants the public to know that they are still actively working this case and are asking for tips. Whatever happened to Audrey and Jonathan, we hope that their families get the answers and the closure that they are looking for. And whomever is responsible for what happened to them, they be brought to justice. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Those Murder Girls podcast. We hope you all have a safe weekend, and we're going to meet you back here next week for some more true crime coverage. As always, all of our source material and information for the tip line can be found in our episode notes. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to give us five stars and leave us a review. Bye, guys.